Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like us, we have a great study tool for you. Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass. On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, and you can even connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of How Did We Not Know That? My name's Nat. My name's Jack. And Jack, do you want to let us know what you will be talking about today? Because I don't have an idea. <laughs> uh, today, I'm going to be talking about Italian fascism. Oh my gosh. Wow, okay. Ooh, fascism. That's going to be intense i'm excited right okay so let's just get right into it so fascism started am i saying it right fascism i think fasc like sh fascism fascism you could look it up if you want to fascism 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 right i think fascism 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 Fascism. 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 Like fashion, fashion, but fascism. But it's not spelled the same. Fascism. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's fascism. Whatever. Fascism. Okay. <laughs> say that, say that the whole time. Fascism. Fascism. <laughs> Everyone's like, what is she talking about? Yeah. Okay, so let me see. Right, okay, so fascism <laughs> is. Uh, also known as Italian fascism or classical fascism, is a political movement that centers around extreme nationalism and forceful suppression of any opposition, and it is fully overseen by an authoritarian government. And the belief is that the state takes precedence over individual interests. So mm. this ideology was developed in Italy. Wow, I didn't know that. Wait, okay, so I have a question already. I'm sorry. But, mm-hmm. so, what's the difference between fascism and authoritarianism? Like, because I thought authoritarianism, authoritarianism, is, like, complete control over the state. So, fascism is the same, but is it more of an emphasis emphasis on, like, nationality? Like, strong national identity or what? Yes, I would say fascism is a mindset and authoritarian government is the vehicle which ah. leads fascism as a mindset. Wow, what a wonderful explanation. <laughs> you sounded so nice. I was a little okay. nervous. I was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it's like, what is it, you know, Miss USA where they ask something oh, yeah. like 10 seconds to respond? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, world peace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, so fascism started in 1915, and then it lasted around up until 1943. So at the outbreak of World War I in August of 1914, the Italian political left became severely split over its position on the war. And just so we're on the same page, the political left and political right, uh, the left would be more liberal and the right would be more conservative. 
Okay. The Italian Socialist Party opposed the war, but a number of Italian revolutionaries supported war against Germany and Austria-Hungary on the grounds that they had to be defeated to ensure the success of socialism. So, Angelo Oliviero Olivetti formed a pro-interventionist fascio, also called the Fasci of International Action in October of 1914. So technically, that person, Angelo, is the, I don't want to say father, but kind of. He kind of is the first one to gather. Founder, creator. Yeah, he's a founder, like the founder of a fascio, which is the group that supports fascism. Okay. And so Benito Mussolini which is probably a more familiar name to most of us listening, is a guy at this time. (laughs) And during this time, he actually was fired from his position as chief editor of the PSI, which is the Italian Socialist Party's newspaper called Avanti. And he was fired because of his anti-German stance. And after he was fired, he joined the interventionist cause in a separate fascio, which is... Fascio is an Italian word that means bundle, but in this context refers to a separate political group. Okay, so Benito Mussolini and other radicals formed a political group known as the Fascist Revolutionary Party in the north of Italy. The term fascism was first used in 1915 by members of Mussolini's movement slash fascio, which was called the Fasci of Revolutionary Action. The first meeting of the Fasci of Revolutionary Action was held in January of 1915 and during this time it was a relatively small group but over the next few years the group did various political actions and they began to gain some popularity. So at this time there were many militant strikes by industrial workers happening in Italy and by 1920 these strikes had reached their peak. This is a separate event from the fascists right now it's just There are labor workers that are unhappy with certain conditions, so they're leading a lot of strikes. Okay. And Mussolini and the fascists then see this as an opportunity, and they take advantage of the situation by allying themselves with industrial businesses and attacking the workers and peasants in the name of preserving order and internal peace in Italy. Okay. So basically, that's a fancy way of saying they beat up the people protesting like oh my gosh yeah fascism is very violent and that was a big part of their campaign was promoting order in italy by violently oppressing anyone going against the government oh my god they like made an example of the protesters for labor rights and then the rest of the country was like okay yeah which we'll get into it more but um basically the the feeling was that the current government the socialist party was too weak and you needed a strong government to hold authoritarian government to control the people i see Roots of Italian fascism. So Italian fascism is rooted in Italian nationalism and the desire to restore and expand Italian territories, which were deemed necessary at the time for a nation to assert its superiority and strength, as well as to avoid the decline of the country. So it's a long way of saying that um, they they felt that imperialism is necessary for your country to continue to grow and thrive. Interesting. (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. 
Okay. Italian fascists claimed that modern Italy is the heir to ancient Rome and its legacy, and they historically supported the creation of an Italian empire to provide a living space for colonization by Italian settlers so they could establish control over the Mediterranean Sea. Fascists also believe that liberal democracy is obsolete, and they regard the complete mobilization of society under a totalitarian, one-party state as necessary to prepare a nation for armed conflict and respond effectively to economic difficulties. Jeez, okay. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you get what that means? Yeah, so like, they, they can only have one party in order to, like, get anything done, and like, their main goal is to, like use military force against other nations to like gain land and power and also improve the economy like they need to pass legislation but so if there's only one party there's not going to be any opposition right yeah and basically that only a certain group of people should be allowed to have a say in how things are run interesting yeah the people's opinion does not matter (laughs) okay so going off of that such a state is going to be led by a strong leader most cases a dictator, and the thought is that this would forge national unity and maintain a stable and orderly society. Fascism rejects assertions that violence is automatically negative in nature and views political violence, war, and imperialism as means that can achieve national rejuvenation. That's really scary. They're not just saying, like, not only is violence, like, excusable, they're saying, like, it's necessary and, like, it's a good, like, it's a positive thing. Like, that's, ooh, yeah. scary. I right, can't imagine. Exactly. So, okay, but now let's go into the main opponents for fascists. So it's not, it's not the argument against fascism, but who fascists believe are their main enemies, okay? okay? So for fascists, they would identify their primary opponents as the majority of socialists on the left who had opposed intervention in World War I. So anyone who didn't want to join the war. So the fascist and Italian political right held more common ground in the way that they both thought Marxism slash communism slash socialism are all terrible ideas. And they believed in the rule of elites. So basically, there should not be class equality at all. And only the elites should get everything and rule over. Yikes. Yes. So, Ray's kind of intense. I didn't know it was this intense. Yeah. Um, Okay, so fascism accommodated Italian conservatives by making major alterations to its political agenda. So, originally, fascism might not have been campaigning on certain values, but in order to gain a bigger following, they changed a lot of their political agenda to more coincide with what people on the more conservative side would like to gain uh, more popularity with them. Here are the main changes they made to their political agenda. So the first was abandoning its previous populism, which was their previous political approach. And then they embraced republicanism. Mm. So did you cover republicanism in like an episode? I don't think so, not yet. Like it's you govern the nation with an emphasis on liberty and like civic virtue practiced by citizen so that means like there's a strong like you protect civil liberties like liberty and then like there's a rule of law that can't be ignored by the government so basically it's saying like citizens have rights (laughs) it's like okay okay so in addition to republicanism they also had anti-clericalism 
So anti-clericalism, it's a lot of new words for both of us. If anyone yeah. listening is struggling, we also <laughs> are trying to process this. So anti-clericalism is opposition to religious authority, typically in social or political matters. So historically, anti-clericalism has mainly been opposed to the influence of Roman Catholicism. Mm, okay. If you may or may not know, Catholicism is a huge part of Italian society. Uh, the Vatican used to be a part of Italy before they mm. gained independence, and the Vatican is the center of Catholicism. Mm. That's where the Pope is, and... Mm. Yeah, Yeah, St. Peter's Basilica, so... Shout out. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) shout out to the Pope. Um, Yeah, I saw him the other day. I don't know if I told you. Yeah, you did! For All Saints Day. That's so cool. That's like once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah, I guess. I think if you were there, you would see him. Like, he's he's around. Yeah. Um, (laughs) like whatever not impressed because <laughs> I, like, eh. I could see him again for like a, a wednesday mass but i just slept oh. in i was like i already saw him like i don't need to <laughs> go back to just yeah. some dude he's just a tourist attraction for me yeah um i'm just kidding okay so um and then they also adopted policies in support of free enterprise which just means a free market so capitalism okay and then cool. they also would accept the Roman Catholic Church and the monarchy only as institutions in Italy. Okay. So during this time, I think the Catholic Church had a bit of influence in the government, and so the party was going to only accept them as separate institutions. Yeah, no. Yeah, they had, like, no political power anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to appealing to Italian conservatives, fascism adopted policies such as promoting family values... And to do this, they created policies designed to reduce the number of women in the workforce and limit Uh, the woman's role to that of only a mother. Wow. And you thought it couldn't get worse. (laughs) Right, which was a big yikes when I found that. Um, Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Family values. That's, ugh, makes you cringe. Yucky. Yeah, so that was, that's a big surprise. And then fascists also banned literature or any information on birth control. And they increased penalties for abortion in 1926, declaring both of these acts as crimes against the state. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. So they really took away a lot of women's rights under this. Jeez. The fascists also sought to maintain fascism's revolutionary character with one of their leaders saying, quote, fascism would like to be conservative, but it will be by being revolutionary, unquote. Okay. Like, they're revolutionary, but not in the sense that they're, like, new ideas. They're like, we need to bring it back to the old. I see. Okay. Yeah, so they want to bring it back to the past, the conservative mindsets, but to do that, they have to be revolutionary and extreme in their approach. And before fascists accommodated the political right, fascism was actually a small urban northern Italian movement that had around a thousand members. Mm. But then after they changed their policies, they ended up growing to about a quarter of a million uh, members by 1921. (gasps) Wow, that's so quick. If you're curious, the population of Italy at that time is around 35 million. So a quarter of a million is not huge, but it is substantial growth. Yeah, it's big enough to 
do some damage. Exactly. So now we get into when the fascists seize power in Italy. So in 1921, the Fascist Revolutionary Party, also known as PFR, was succeeded by the National Fascist Party, PNF, and this was the party that was led by Benito Mussolini. So starting in 1922, fascist paramilitaries, which a paramilitary is an organized armed militant force that is not part of the country's armed force. It's like a militia? Oh, no, militias are meant to supplement the regular army. Non-professional, I see. Yeah, so this is just a, a group of people who are armed. I see. Oh, don't like that. These paramilitaries began attacking socialist offices and the homes of socialist leaders. So that was just the start. And then they took it even further and started violently occupying cities. Mm. So when they start violently occupying these cities, there's actually very little serious resistance from authorities towards fascists. And because of this, they proceeded to take over several northern Italian cities. On October 24th, 1922, the fascist party held its annual congress in Naples, where Mussolini ordered black shirts to take control of public buildings and trains and converge on three points around Rome. And to go back and define black shirts, black shirts were mainly discontented ex-soldiers who were ultra-nationalist and they posed as champions of law and order, and they violently attacked communists, socialists, and other radical and progressive groups. They would break up strikes, they would destroy trade union headquarters, and they drove socialist and communist officials from office. Oh my god, that's horrifying. So now they're making a plan to overtake Rome, and the fascists managed to seize control over several post offices and trains in northern Italy, while the Italian government, which at the time was led by a left-wing coalition, was internally divided and unable to respond to the fascist advances. So, at this time, there's actually, it's still the Kingdom of Italy, so there is a king. And the king of Italy at the time, King Victor Emmanuel III of Italy, thought that the risk of bloodshed in Rome to get rid of the fascists was too high, and as a result, King Victor Emmanuel decided to appoint Mussolini as Prime Minister of Italy. So this is how he became Prime Minister. Mm, Yeah. And then Mussolini then arrives in Rome on October 30th to accept the appointment. And if you look at fascist propaganda on the event, the March on Rome event, a lot of it exaggerates uh, the overtaking of Rome and the Mm. seizure of power as this heroic event for fascists. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. After Mussolini becomes prime minister, he then works on getting the fascists to gain control over the Italian parliament. Because even though Mussolini is now prime minister, it's not like parliament is dominated by fascists yet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they end up getting a majority in. And then once the majority of fascists are in parliament, they ended up balancing the budget sheets and making deep budget cuts from civil service initiatives. Mm. So this would be like cutting welfare spending, cutting, I don't know if they have social security, but you would cut social security. Yeah. Social welfare. So then they created an Acerbo law, which guaranteed a plurality of the seats in parliament to any party or coalition list in an election that received 25% or more of the vote. That's a long way of saying that if 
your party gained 25%, then you would get the entirety of the oh, seats. If I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Through considerable violence and intimidation, the fascists, no surprise, won a majority of the vote, and thus a majority of the seats went to them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, in the aftermath of the election, a crisis and political scandal erupted when Socialist Party deputy Giacomo Matteotti was kidnapped and murdered by a fascist. Oh my god. The liberals and leftist minority party in parliament walked out in protest after this event, which became known as the Aventine Secession. So then, from 1925 to 1929, fascism steadily became entrenched in power, Opposition deputies were denied access to parliament, censorship was introduced, and in December of 1925, a decree made Mussolini solely responsible to only the king. Oh, wow. So during this time, they also introduced aggressive foreign policy, which included attacking Greece in an effort to expand Italian territory, as well as planning to wage war on Turkey and Yugoslavia. Oh my gosh! So, for those of us who do not know, Italy colonized Libya, Mm. apparently in 1911, we just looked it up, and um, when revolts emerged in the country, fascist Italy abandoned the previous liberal era of Mm. colonial policy, where most of the time they would cooperate with local leaders to resolve conflicts, but since these are fascists, they would instead claim that Italians were superior to African races and thereby had the right to colonize the inferior Africans. And they also sought to settle 10 to 15 million more Italians in Libya. Oh my God. So, yeah. So then this initiative then resulted in an aggressive military campaign known as the Pacification of Libya, against natives in Libya, and this included Mm. mass killings, the use of concentration camps, and forced starvation of thousands of people. Wow. Oh my god. I didn't know any of this. I knew they colonized Libya, but I did not know any of the details, I guess. Right? So fascism's... I mean, we throw around the term so much. I really... Fascism's a big deal. It's very, very bad. That's true. Like, we we shouldn't use it lightly, but... Mm-hmm. Okay, so Italian authorities committed ethnic cleansing by forcibly expelling 100,000 Bedouin Cyrenaicans, which is half the population of Cyrenaica in Libya, from their mm-hmm. settlements. And the settlements that they left were slated to be given to Italian oh my settlers. God. Okay, but eventually fascism does end in Italy. So yeah. let's go into the fall of fascism. Italy also colonized, I don't know all their colonies, but Italy also colonized Eritrea and Ethiopia. And so eventually there is an Italo-Ethiopian war that lasts from 1935 to 1937 with Italy winning. But during the period of the Ethiopian war, a lot of nationalists were rallied more strongly than ever around the fascism regime. On the flip side, though, it also made other Italians come to the sudden realization that fascism meant war in earnest. So not just bombastic threats of war for defensive purposes, but the reality that they will always be at war. Like fascism means you're always going to be fighting. Like a constant, constant state. Exactly. 
So during the period between 1936 and 1943, the lines between fascism and anti-fascism started to be uh, more clear of which side you were on, right? So it's not... Yeah. More people actually started to join the ranks of opposition against fascism, and we start to see underground movements gaining strength, even if number-wise they never became overwhelming. More people started rallying against fascism. So by July of 1943, when World War II is happening, which if anyone doesn't know, Italy is on the Mm -hmm. side of the Axis powers. So they're with Japan and Germany on for the World War II side. So King Victor Emmanuel III removes Mussolini from power and places him under house arrest following the Allied invasion of Sicily and bombing of Rome. Okay. Does that make sense? So basically, yeah, when the Allies are starting to take control of Italy, then the king puts Mussolini on house arrest. House arrest. Okay. Then the Nazis actually end up rescuing Mussolini in September of that year, and he is then placed into hiding with them for a couple of years. But he finds out, yeah, Mussolini finds out that the Nazis are getting ready to surrender, And he gets really angry at this and leaves the palace he was hiding in to go to Milan with his 33-year-old mistress. That's just a side note. Oh my god. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting end to fascism. So stay with me. But uh, okay. However, as they are heading north toward Lake Como, which is a lake... You know of this lake? Yeah, my parents went there and they like love it. Oh, really? It's so beautiful. Oh, well... Like the lake itself. Sorry, not the history. (laughs) Oh, no, what happened? What happened? Okay, well... Mom and dad, if you're listening, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, maybe skip ahead. This might ruin it for you. So they're heading north towards that lake, and it's at the border of Switzerland. But partisans, who are people who are against the Axis Mm -hmm. powers, so they're not on Mussolini's side, they recognize him despite his attempt at wearing a disguise. Oh my god. Oh, I wish I wish I could see like It was I didn't, he was just like so recognizable. I think he was just wearing like a like a trench coat and a oh helmet. <laughs> Maybe like oh? a fake mustache. I don't even know. It was a bad disguise. So they recognize him and then they seize him and his girlfriend. And then the partisans were actually concerned that the Nazis would try to liberate Mussolini again. AKA, like, bring him back yeah. to power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they hid them in a farmhouse for one night. And mm-hmm. then the next day, on the 28th of April, 1945, they took them to a small village of oh. Jelena de Mezaga on the shores of Lake Como, oh. where they were executed by <gasps> machine gun fire. Oh my god. Yes. That's crazy. So then, yeah, we're coming Yo. to a close. In the pre-dawn hours of April 29th, the corpses of Mussolini and his girlfriend and 14 fellow fascists were placed in a truck and dumped like garbage (gasps) in Milan's Piazzale Loreto. So it's a square. It's a square in Milan. And this was a deeply symbolic public square for the anti-fascist forces because eight months earlier, fascists who were acting under orders from Hitler publicly displayed the bodies of 15 <gasps> executed partisans. So oh my God. for them to be able to, eight months later, display Whoa. the corpses oh my of God. Mussolini, it was kind of like a really big symbolic, I don't want to say accomplishment, but yeah. No, but yeah. A message like, for them. Um, oh my gosh. And then 
Yeah, almost the next day after Benito Mussolini is killed by the Italian resistance, the hostilities and violence start to decline in Italy. And then... Wow. Yeah, fascism starts to end. So it really was, like, um, solidified in him and, like... A dictator. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, what a violent... I mean, a violent end to a violent ideology. It makes sense, like... Yeah, the ending was so interesting. My gosh, I feel like I just, like, listened to, like... I watched a movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a true crime. Yeah, like whoa. Yeah, well, that's it. That's all the notes I had, <laughs> and that's just <laughs> not much to say. I mean, wow, Jack, that was great. Oh my gosh, that was like such a sorry. I'm like still, like, oh, that was such an intense ending. Um, I'm really glad you covered that because, like you, like we mentioned it earlier. I feel like the term fascist. It's, like, thrown around, like, pretty lightly, like, more, like, you can, like, joke around, like, people joke around with their friends, like, oh, you're fashion, like, I don't know, like, in school, you could be, like, oh, your principal or whatever, I don't know, these are stupid examples, but, like, I feel like people use it kind of, not as a joke, but they use lightly. it in a not serious, yeah, and so it's, like, when you do that, you, um, you, like, take away power from... Like, I don't know. What am I trying to say? How do I phrase it? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, I you take away the severity of what they did because then you're like, uh, yeah, you're dwindling down, like, how yeah. intense what actual fascism is. And, like, it's not to say that they shouldn't call anybody a fascist, like, obviously, there are people who are probably, yeah, still politically aligned with this ideology, so it doesn't mean that you, yeah, it can't ever be used, but like. Yeah, I've I've heard it like as a joke like so many times, so it's like, well, I'm really glad you covered it because I didn't really realize the severity. Like I knew that period in Italy was really violent, but just hearing the extent of how quickly things changed too is really horrifying. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be living in Italy at that time or living in an Italian colony. That's horrifying. Well, thank you for covering that. What a great episode. I'm glad to be back in the swing of things. Um, and yeah, so everyone, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you guys soon. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That? If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media at HDWNKT and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, check out our website at HDWNKT.com to find all of our show notes and study guides for each episode. You can help us improve the quality of the podcast by becoming a history hero through our Patreon. Thank you for listening and see you guys next week.